Good morning, everybody. This is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. I'm so excited to be able to share with people and see faces in the church building. I'm, I'm greatly blessed and really excited about doing this today. As, as shared earlier, we are still getting things organized, but I am so excited. As you can see by the smile on my face, I actually look. And not that I don't like looking at the camera, but I like looking at people's eyes and having people look back at me and when things like this happen I'm just really excited so yeah allow me to calm down a bit as we look at the word together this morning but I in all honesty when things change honestly it it really does excite you for example for example uh, up the road from me there is an IGA Uh, for those who don't know IGA is a local supermarket now that supermarket closed down this year not not in relation to COVID or anything like that I just don't think the business was doing very well and so they've closed down, which is kind of upsetting for me because it was only a three-minute walk from my front door. And so while it was a bit more expensive food-wise, I mean, convenience-wise, it was ideal. I could go there, could buy a loaf of bread, could buy a jar of coffee, could get a bottle of milk, buy, buy snacks that I could gorge on and, and all that sort of stuff. And so when it closed down, I was quite upset. Now, I've been asking a few questions. I was wondering, is there going to be another supermarket? Is it going to be a whole bunch of, like, cafes or or foodie-type restaurants? I I was completely unsure. But with my research, I've discovered that there may be a similar market opening up again. So I'm I'm very thankful for that, Which, which directs me to this particular fact. We, as people, like to be in the know. We like to know and have an inside track about various knowledge that gives us an advantage or allows us the opportunity to prepare for what's to come. And so it might be from a personal connection, it might be from stumbling across it by complete accident, it might be overhearing a conversation, but we always like to have an inside track, have the opportunity to know something in order to best prepare. Now, in reading the Gospels, you'll notice that the Lord Jesus continually gives his disciples a heads up. He continually enables them to be in the know in order for them to best prepare for what is going to take place, whether it be in the likes of, say, Matthew 16, 21, when the Lord Jesus tells his disciples that he's got to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the Pharisees, whether it be the likes of Mark 13, 13, when Jesus gives them the heads up that because they are followers of Jesus, they will be hated as followers of Jesus, whether it be Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, when they are told to go to Jerusalem where they would be a participant or to receive power in Jerusalem. They are given an insight into the thoughts that are higher than our thoughts and given an insight into the ways that are far higher than our ways. And such is the word that we're going to be looking at this morning. This morning, we're going to look at a word that Jesus speaks into the lives of the disciples that applies to us as well. We're going to be given an insight into what Jesus has told us what he says, why he says it, and how it applies to us in the context we have right now. So if you'll allow me the opportunity, I'm going to open a word of prayer. And if you've got your Bibles, please open your Bibles to John chapter 16. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much 
for the, the privileged position that you have granted us in Jesus Christ, the opportunity to see your very mind and, and to experience your very heart and the way you deal not only with us but with all of creation. And we ask now as we look into your word that you by your spirit will minister to each of us and that you will teach us as you reveal more of yourself to us. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, to provide a bit of context, it is the final night before Jesus' arrest. They have retreated to an upper room and are given, or sorry, we are given through the eyes of John an insight or a privileged position, almost like a fly on the wall, to see this interaction take place. You see, all throughout Jesus' ministry, he has been discipling these men when, in various contexts. He has manifest his deity through the miraculous. He has uh, revealed his authority over creation, and, and he, has, he has shown his power through various signs and wonders. But here, in this context now, it's something completely different. Here is where it's just Jesus and his disciples as he invests into their lives in order to prepare them for what is about to take place. And with that, I think it is appropriate that we in turn take heed to what the Lord Jesus teaches them in order to draw lessons applicable to us. How does he do this? Well, it is done, firstly, by what is said. In John chapter 16, verse 1, we read this. All this I have told you that you will not fall away. I just want to read it again. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. It is important to heed the words of the Lord Jesus. I mean, think about it. It is his word that calms the storm. It is his word that brings life. It is his word that discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thus, the words of Jesus here are a necessity for the preparation and growth of the disciples as well as our preparation and growth for what is going to happen. So it all begins in this first part of the verse when he says, all this I have told you. See, it's what he says, and there are two specific things I want to look at here. Firstly, one, he's not holding anything back. He says, all this, all this. And two, it is personal. He says, I have told you. I have told you. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing to be able to hang on every word that Jesus speaks, to listen intently as he expounds the scriptures, all things concerning himself from Moses and the prophets, like he did with the two on the road to Emmaus. And so what happens here in this upper room is that from verse, sorry, from chapters 13 through to 15, we have various words that Jesus gives to his disciples in order to prepare them in order to equip them. And so what I want to do is just brief over some of these words and see how they too are applicable to us because this is the all this he makes reference to, not only from chapters 13 to 15, but also the rest of chapter 16, as well as the prayer in chapter 17. This is the all this the Lord Jesus is referring to here. For example, the all this 
in chapter 13, verses 1 to 17, it refers to the, the true of a picture, sorry, it refers to the picture of true servitude, of true service. All this refers to this word of service that the Lord Jesus reveals, not only in teaching, but also through example as he washes his disciples' feet. And you read this in chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. If you've got your Bibles, turn there and we read, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. This word of service, the all this he makes reference to. In verses 18 to 30 of chapter 13, it points to his, the foreknowledge of his death. It's, it is a word of preparation for what is to come. You read in verse 19 of chapter 13, I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Following on from this word of service and this word of preparation, we have this word of warning in verses 31 to 38. The all this begins with the necessity of loving one another and that as his disciples, we are known by our love for each other in verse 35, but also aims at the weakness of the human heart, a word of warning because for all of Peter's good intentions, for all of Peter's desire to do what was right when it came to making a stand for the things of God, he failed miserably, denying the Lord three times. And so there's this word of warning that is given in verse 38 as he says to Peter, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disavow me three times. And it continues, all this carries on and in chapter 14, verses 1 to 4, and it looks at the future promised as we have a secure destination in Christ, a word of comfort that says in verse 3, uh, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. In verses 5 to 14 of chapter 14, all this is the word of assurance that speaks to our access to and acceptance by God through Jesus Christ. In verse 6 of the chapter, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. In verses 15, right through to verse 30, the all this there is a word of his personal involvement as the Holy Spirit, an advocate who will teach and will remind of all things, the disciples of all things that Jesus has said. You read that in verse 26, as well as grant peace in a very tumultuous world. You read this in verse 27 when he says, peace I leave with you, peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In John 15, which a lot of us would already know, we have this word of connection 
the blessing of being connected to the vine, connected to the vine for life, connected to the vine for sustenance, connected to the life for discipline and, and for shaping. The simple truth that life comes from being connected. Fruit comes from being connected. Lasting fruit or fruit that lasts comes from being connected to the vine. And we read at the end of verse 5, for without me, without the Lord Jesus, you can do nothing. And lastly, from verses 18 through 2 to 27, this, the final all this that he is making reference to is a preparing for a harsh reality. It's the word of reality that they would be haters as, sorry, that they would be hated as followers of Jesus. As shared by Mike Piatangitama last week, when he became a believer in Christ, he was not entering into a playground, but a battlefield. And we are forewarned of this fact in verse 18 when the Lord Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. All this, all this is the brutal reality of what it meant for the disciples to follow Jesus. A reality that they were aware of, but never really knowing until they were in the thick of it, until they found themselves in the midst of it. And it's not exactly the greatest of pep talks. It's not the greatest of motivational speeches to give to your followers when you're about to leave, but the blessing is that none of them could say that they didn't know. None of them could say that they were ignorant of what was expected of them as followers of Jesus Christ. He did not sugarcoat it. He didn't say it was going to be all sunshine and rainbows. He didn't say that it was going to be all ease and, and it was going to be a life of comfort. He, he told them all this because he loved them and wanted to share with them a word specifically that they, in turn, could prepare for what was going to happen. That is the all this that the disciples are given an insight to. That is the all this we have the privilege to have an insight to as well. But secondly, and this is what I like, it's not only all this. He says, all this I have told you. All this I have told you. He is the God who speaks. And he speaks specifically to his people. An act consistently revealed all throughout Scripture. Noah having been told to build an ark for coming judgment in Genesis 6. Abram having been told that he's going to be a great nation, the father of a great nation in Genesis 12. Moses having to be told that he's going to play a part in the deliverance of Israel from Egypt in Exodus 3. Joshua, having been told that he's going to be leading the people to claim the promised land in Joshua 1. Uh, Samuel, having been told that he's going to anoint a new king to replace Saul in 1 Samuel 16. Well, the likes of, say, Simeon in Luke chapter 2, who is having been told that he is not going to pass away until he has seen the redemption of Israel in the person of Christ. Or even on the Isle of Patmos, John, having been told in exile about the revelation of the end of days. It is common for God who speaks to his people. And as, as man-centric as that sounds, by the way it's worded, it is a standard fact that 
this personal God chose to personally reveal himself to those who follow him and tell them directly what he was desiring to do with them, in them, and through them. And such is the Lord's word here to these disciples. And you see the way, well, the reasons why he reveals what he does to his disciples, all this that he revealed to them. And it's actually referred to in chapter 15, verse 15, when Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his, master, what his master's business... Ah, let me start that again. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. All this has been made known to you. That's what he's saying. Jesus opened up to his disciples at this time, not because they were his disciples, not because they were his followers, but because they were his friends. They were not plebs. They were not plebs he used to entertain himself. They were not cannon fodder to throw in front of his enemies. He revealed the plan of God. He revealed the mind of God. He revealed the heart of God to them specifically for them to take and to do something with. And it is this comparison that is to be made with us as well. All this within the scriptures has been told to us as we open and as we read, and as we memorize, as we write the scriptures upon the tablets of our hearts, all this he has told us, not because we're his followers, but because we're his children. All this I read within the scriptures about how I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All this is where I learn that I am dead in my trespasses and sins. All this, when I, when I read about how God commended his love toward me, that while I am yet a sinner, Christ died for me. All this about how I can be justified and made right by faith in Jesus Christ and what he'd done on the cross for me. All this is where I receive forgiveness of sin, where redemption of my soul is granted, where, where regeneration of my being can happen, all this through faith in Jesus Christ. All this by which my faith grows and where I grow and develop in my relationship with him. All this has been told to you and I, personally and specifically. And even when there are times when we may not be able to hear or may not be able to see or even understand what God is doing for us or in us or with us specifically, we can then in turn look at the fact that he loves us, that he wants what's best for us, and perhaps he is waiting for a time where he might be able to reveal more to us because we're at that stage to understand and to bear it. If you've been following the morning devotions on the devotional wall, I shared on the 15th of September how Jesus states this very truth to his disciples. In John 16, 12, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now 
bear, meaning this, with everything that he's been teaching his disciples up to this point, the, the all this, Jesus then states how there is so much more he desires to impart. There is so much more that he desires to give, so much more that he desires us to receive. But he won't because not only the disciples couldn't bear it at that time, but perhaps maybe you and I can't bear it as well. It's a reminder for me that the Lord desires to impart to me so much more, more of himself, more of his word, more of his power, more of the abundant life that he has promised in Christ. And perhaps the reason we're not experiencing more of Jesus is because we are not faithful with the knowledge, not faithful with the light, not faithful with the truth that has already been imparted to us. In Matthew 25, 21, we are told that if you are faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. Therefore, we are challenged then to be faithful with what we already have been given, the gospel to share the relationships within our homes, the testimonies that we have, the Bible readings that we have the privilege to be a part of, the privilege of prayer and meditating and dwelling in God's presence. You see, the Lord desires to reveal more of himself to us, but maybe because of choices we made or what we've actually chasing after, we cannot bear it right now. Hmm, it's a good thought. All this I have told you. That is what he said. Why did he say it? And the second part of the verse, why he said it? All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Sadly, this is becoming more and more common among the Christian church today. More and more people are turning their backs on Christianity or more accurately on Jesus Christ himself. And the Lord knew this was a very real problem for the disciples because they were entering in to a very new situation, a very new circumstance. Thus the reason he went through chapters 13 to 16, why he, he, he goes through and prays what he does in, in chapter 17. He was giving words of, of service, words of preparation, words of warning and comfort, words of assurance and involvement, words of connection and words of a very harsh reality. For there was a very real chance of them falling away in the new context that they were entering into. You see, all this was given for them, was given to them so that they might be able to endure all that that they were about to face. But as you read at the arrest of Jesus, you'll notice that all this was all but forgotten. Why? Because in the midst of difficulty, we read about people were scattered, how people ran away, how people made bad choices. Peter decided to react with a sword and, and cut off Malchus's ear. You see the reaction because all of this had truly been all but forgotten. We read about Judas Iscariot and how he literally fell away. Literally. And, and, and you see how he betrays the Lord Jesus with a kiss, wooed by the lust of the money bag as he was the holder of the purse. Uh, read uh, John chapter 12, verse 6. It makes reference to this. We read about Peter who denied Jesus three times. Three times. And, and even though he followed at a distance, when he was confronted personally 
about being associated with the Lord Jesus, he vehemently denied ever knowing him. If you read Matthew 26, verse 74. You see, there is going to be a falling away of people. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 actually refers to this as well, that there will be a falling away. And when you have new things enter your life that falls outside of our, our expectations, that fall outside of our regular routines, uh, a new sort of hiccup that may not have been anticipated. It causes us, well, it can be used to cause us to fall away. For example, massive congratulations to the birth of Aiden Yap to Mel and Jazz. And, and you might have a new child, and you'll notice that your routine goes out the window, and that can cause a falling away. Not in the, the, the sense of, say, Judas or, or maybe even Peter, but a falling away of the intimacy you share with the Lord. It might be a new relationship, you know, when, when she's your world or, or he's your world, and, you know, oh, man, I want to be with them all the time, man, and, and so I want to, I've got to call them all the time. You know, you had this new relationship, and that person becomes your world. That can cause a falling away, a falling away of the intimacy that, that you shared with the Lord because it's, it's something that's caused a hiccup in your relationship with him. It might be a new job that you have and the, all, the, the desire to, to, to please your boss and to, to do a good... Now, there's nothing wrong with pleasing your boss and doing a good job at work, but once again, something new that comes into your life that can cause maybe the things of God to take a back seat as you seek to achieve success. It might be, it, it might be a... A, a new situation of, of moving home. It might be a, a new situation of even this whole situation now. Even this whole situation now, the fact that I've only got one, two, three, four and a half people here, here listening to me while I talk. This whole situation here, this is, this is something new. It's something new that was unexpected and that can cause a falling away. That can cause a falling away. And, and you, you see this take place over and over and, and over again. When, when we get caught up in chasing after things that are of no spiritual benefit or spiritual significance for the kingdom of God, when we start to fall into the throes of, say, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 to 5, how, how people, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, or, or boastful, or proud, abusive, that can cause a falling away. When people are disobedient to parents, ungrateful and holy, without love, that can cause a falling away. And people are unforgiving and you hold on to such things. A slanderous, when you lack self-control, that can cause a falling away. Where people are brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, that can cause a falling away. Here's one. When people can be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, that can cause a falling away. That can result in us having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now remember, as I shared from this beginning of the year, he's not writing about society here. He's writing about the church. He's writing about how we as a church can fall away, and these things can cause us to do so. That's something to be, to be wary of. But that's the reason why we have been given all this. All this. You see... The disciples were aimless at the moment. They were somewhat directionless because their Lord had just gone. What do they do now? 
Where do they go? We find them hiding in an upper room. And honestly, I reckon the thought of, of going back to the way it was may have crossed their mind. We have that one time at the end of John where they go fishing. Peter says, I'm going fishing. Everyone else says, I'm coming too. And they go off fishing before the Lord calls them back to himself. This is uncharted territory for them. And what they do next in connection to the, all this that has been revealed to them shows what they really believe about the Lord, which shows what they really believe about his promises and about his word. And you see, I find this appropriate, that the Lord spent so much time informing them, the all this, of what was going to take place specifically, and you find their unpreparedness or their forgetfulness in that situation. And that's what connected with me. That's what connected me. It, it's, really, it's really easy to stand up here and preach and teach various biblical truths, looking at the all this that the Lord imparts to us. It's really easy to do that. Well, it's not easy, but you know what I mean. Okay, so anyway, but when you're in the midst of hardship, when you're in the midst of trial, when you're going through struggle, when you have issues that arise within your home or within your work, that's when, like the disciples, the reality of my unpreparedness and my forgetfulness takes place. That in the midst of hard times, I find what the disciples do completely connecting with me. So I'm told by the Lord Jesus, okay, what he says, why he says it, so that I will not fall away. Therefore, how then does that apply to me? How then does that apply to us? Now, this isn't a message. I don't want this to be a message to discourage you. I'm not here shaking my finger at you, going, oh, bad Christian, bad Christian, uh, to make you feel bad about yourself or the struggles that you're having. I mean, think about it. This whole year, I've said that too many times. Think about it. But anyway, this whole year has been something completely new to us. We have been asked, not only as a leadership, but as a church, you and I, we have been asked to navigate through something completely new. We have been to, to navigate and walk a fine line of, of dependence upon God, of being a good witness to the lost, of staying connected as a church, even though we are separated by distance. And like the disciples, we have been told all this. All this as his church in order that we will not fall away. And to top it off, we are in a much better position than the disciples were at this stage. I mean, for want of a better argument, the disciples up to this point where this charge goes forth, they only had up to chapter 15. We've got not only up to chapter 15, but the rest of the Gospel of John. Not only that, we've got the whole completed scriptures. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have specific equipping with God's armor in Ephesians chapter 6. We have the promises of Scripture that last to eternity. We have the examples of biblical characters, both Old Testament, not only successes but massive failures too, that we can learn and draw from. We have New Testament examples, both, both great ones and failures that we can learn from. We have people who have gone before throughout church history who are great examples that we are learning from even now, hundreds of years later, that God has used. Man, we, we have people within this church that we can look to for guidance, for wisdom, for counsel. We've got godly men and women, biblical knowledge of, of, of great character, of, of godly integrity that we can learn from. 
We have been given all this so that you and I will not fall away. But people do. People do. Whether like Demas, and, and we, we are told in 2 Timothy 4.10, who has loved this present world and forsaken the things of God, or like Hymenaeus or Alexander, who were shipwrecked spiritually as they refused and rejected living a good conscience before God and holding on to their faith. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Um, they can be falling away for a number of reasons, uh, whether it be unmet expectations, whether it be, be, uh, be hurts that have taken place, uh, whether it be uh, the desire for something and not getting it, whether it be disappointments. There's a number of reasons to why people have fallen away. And, and I don't want to focus on that because we have been given all this so that that may not happen for us. But that's not the focus of what and how it applies to us. The focus that I want you and I to understand is like Peter, who failed majorly, he was restored in his relationship with God as through humility and repentance was called back to the Lord by Jesus himself. When he says to the ladies to go to Jerusalem and I'll meet them there, he says, tell my disciples and Peter too. There's, there's this means by which the Lord always, you read all throughout the Old Testament, you read, you read all this and you see time and time and time again the heart of God calling out to his people where he says, return, where he says, come back, where he says, you are mine. This is the heart of God to us that, yes, we may fall away, even though he gives us all this to avoid us falling away, he has given us the means by which we can come back to himself. Like, like David, David who committed adultery in, in 2 Samuel 11, I believe it is. I believe it's 11. I apologize if it's not. Um, but we, who committed in humility and in repentance when confronted with that sin, he humbles himself. Read Psalm 51 and cries out to a God that God might restore unto him the joy of his salvation, that he would not be cast off. And that is what we are given in the Lord Jesus. So, yes, we are given everything that pertains unto life and godliness, we are told in 2 Peter 1, I believe, verse 3. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. We are given all this that we may not fall, but even when we do, we are given the grace and the long-suffering and the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. Because we are told in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because that is who our God is. And, and like, like David, who, like Peter, who finds reconciliation, like David, who repents and is still known as a man after God's own heart, maybe even Samson, who lived completely selfishly and, and ended up doing more for the kingdom of God in his death, and then whenever he was alive, maybe we, like Samson, as we die to self, can have a greater effect for the kingdom of God too. You see, I'm told all this to equip me to prepare me and to strengthen me. 
and my ability to stand in Christ and to stand in Christ with resolve, to stand in Christ with steadfastness. And falling away is something that we are all susceptible to. We are all susceptible because we prioritize or we can't prioritize wrong things. We can value the wrong things. We can perceive the wrong things about God and about others. And and thus we fail to adhere with that resolve and steadfastness that Jesus intends for us to have. They say forewarned is forearmed. Basically, if you know, you can better prepare. Well, we know. We know all this. We know from this what is expected of us. We know from this who it is that we follow. We know from this what he has done for us. We know from this what awaits us. But we also know from this that if we do fall, that he in his love and his goodness has provided a means for us to be better or to be reconciled to himself. So we know what's expected of us. We know what we're supposed to be doing. We know that eternity awaits. Therefore, let us open our ears to what the Lord says so that we may not fall away. But even when we do, his hand is outstretched to us. I want to close in prayer, brothers and sisters, and I pray that this has been a blessing to you in some small way as we continue to seek our God who desires to tell us all this so that we may not fall away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and thank you for your goodness and for your grace. We thank you for the all this you have given us in your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness, We thank you for your spirit that indwells us. We thank you for your people that surround us. We thank you for the purposes that you've laid upon each of our lives. And I ask that you will continue to stir our hearts to chase after you. Father, I pray that we will not take your word lightly. And Father, that we in turn instead will, as the deer thirsts after water, so we in turn will thirst after you. We ask you to dismiss us now. And as we move into the coming week, we might continue to shine as a light and taking heed to all that you have told us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.